In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hey, what's up, missionaries? This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. We are back again live with episode 297 of the Michaud Mission as Vincent and I review Beverly Hills Cop from 1984. We also get into listener mail by way of Zambia. We've got voicemails from the listeners asking us a question about which one is Cisco, which one is Ebert. We have Six Degrees of Duravel Martin, the superhero edition. And then we got the review. It's a lot of fun. Here's the mission. Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, after one week off, we are finally back on the road to 300. It was a bump in the road. Slight bump. But now we've gotten over the bump. Yes. We've gotten over the hump, got over the bump. And now we're ready to make the jump. To episode 297. All right. Oh, man. All right. This is Vincent's selection for this stop on the Michelle Mission. And this is a doozy, ladies and gentlemen. And it's a fun one from 1984. It is not the movie that made Eddie Murphy a star, mm. but it's the movie that made him a superstar. How about that? How about that? Beverly Hills Cop. You know, I've been doing that dance, <laughs> that exact dance all weekend to the chagrin of my girlfriend, who's just like, Will you just stop it, please? Will you just stop? Have you been doing it to that song? To- I've been doing it. Yes, you just been. See, the thing is, I've been doing it to that song, but the song's only been in my head. Right in your head, right, right, so right. She right. just thinks I'm happy. Well, it's either that or the Neutron Dance. So, well, that, well I can't do the Neutron. Dance. Exactly. I cannot do the Neutron Dance. Maybe that once upon a time I could. Right. Do uh, shout out to everyone out there in the chat who are watching us as we are streaming live via Streamyard to Facebook, YouTube, as well as Twitch. Hello, all you missionaries. Good evening. Good evening. Do we actually say, like, did you say this is Lynn? The bat trip? No, yeah, no. I did. Did you? I, I yeah, we, we completely did. forgot. That's that's the, the. I'm so busy thinking about Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> that's the rundown. We uh-huh. did it. We did uh-huh. it, Vincent. We did it, Vincent. Um, shout out to all the missionaries that we have out there. I just want to let you know, Vincent, that we heard from another missionary. Okay. And this may be the furthest 
that we have a, a missionary has ever reached out to us from. Okay, where where are we reaching out from? In listener mail. Okay. We received an an email from Wam Wamya Tembo. Hey Wam Wamya? Wamya, W A M Y A. Hey Wamya. Tembo, T E M B O. Okay. So hopefully I am pronouncing that correctly. And they write, Dear Len and Vince, hope you're well. My name's Wamia Tembo. I'm writing to you from sunny Lusaka, Zambia. Nice. Firstly, I'd like to say a very big thank you to both of you for the joy your podcast has brought to my life during the rough stretch we've all experienced. I cannot count how many times I've had the person in the next car over stare me down for laughing out while I'm listening to a Mother May I episode in traffic. (laughs) Recently caught up on the Juice episode. Couldn't help but notice Len casually include Aaron Hall's Don't Be Afraid when listing (laughs) off classic tracks from the Joyce soundtrack. Not sure if you listened to that song recently, but those lyrics are so damn sketchy. The second verse in particular. And also the audacity of one Mr. Hall to bring the Lord into this mess with that nighttime prayer interpolation. I am shaking my head. I'm real curious about your thoughts on this. Uh, Big thanks again and much love. Wamya. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you a lot. That is, I, is that our first letter from the motherland? I believe that, that it's the first is one. That all I, yeah, right. That's cool. Pretty dope. <laughs> it's, it's a shame that now we have to talk about Aaron Hall and his <laughs> sketchy. <laughs> I mean, this is the same man who sang lead on Peace of My Love, which may be the most disrespectful song of the 80s. Well, that's very true. That's very true. That is played on quiet storms everywhere. The fact that an entire generation debated Mm -hmm. whether or not he says dumb bitch. Yes. You know what? An open debate. The debate continues, Vincent. Speaking of Aaron Hall and sketchy lyrics, (laughs) during a recent recording of the after show after party, one of the podcasts that I produced for uh, Toya Haynes, our Mm -hmm. social media director, her and her co-host Nikki got into a conversation about Aaron Hall and his lyrics. Yes. Because Toya, oh, sweet, lovable Toya. And it's a a lamb in the woods. (laughs) Oh, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. She literally has nothing but wool over her eyes Mm -hmm. because she always thought, that was just a weird rumor. That was just a weird that rumor. That he says dumb bitch in the song. That, that we all hear. That me and Nikki played for her. Yes. And she still refuses. She, still, she just refuses. <laughs> she refuses <laughs> to hear. She is, and this is a spoiler for Westworld. She's Jeffrey Wright, and she just doesn't see the door. She doesn't see it. She just doesn't see it. She doesn't see it at all. Yeah. No. She She is. She, she is blind she there's a blind spot yeah like i thought her only blind spot was ralph tresman yeah no apparently she has just it's just 90s yeah it's 90s R&B. 90s r&b right it's, it's, and well you know she made her piece i guess with bell biv devos backstage underage adolescent 
how you doing? Oh, she's the apple of my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, is this like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, nineties, the nineties, <laughs> the nineties. See, yes, it is the nineties because the thing is, there were because the nineties did away with metaphors. <laughs> was going on in R&B <laughs> and rock and roll for years. Right. It was just couched in metaphors. It was just, right. yeah. Hey, man. Pull up to my bumper, baby. Exactly. Long black limousine. And long black limousine. Pull up to my bumper and park it in between. Mm-hmm. I think the last metaphor, which was in the 90s, maybe late 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. was SWV's Rain On Me. Rain On Me. Rain On That me. was the last Yeah, it's metaphor. such a pretty song, though. It's a pretty song. Yeah, but it's a... don't think of... Well, we were listening to a live um, performance of Minnie Riperton doing Inside My Love, which Minnie Riperton's voice is so pretty. I think I it took many of us 30 years to realize just how amazingly dirty that song i know i know i know so but 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 you don't you don't care you don't care because it's many you don't care because it's like an angel singing exactly it's like an angel singing exactly exactly one of the most graphic songs of the 70s yeah but it's an angel singing but it's an angel singing it yes but in the 90s we introduced it into the sin that it is yes yes (laughs) just did away with any and how talking about no one's going to hear you, and I've locked the door. <laughs> oh, my God. But don't be afraid. Call me daddy. Call, call me. You, you can call me daddy. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. It's all right there. Anyway. Um, but thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate you. Um, uh <laughs> Farrell Blackwell has a question. I think this is for you, Vincent, because you're our, you're our music expert here. Oh, easy. Hey, Michelle Mission, here's a question for y'all. Which, <laughs> which decade has the most talentless popular R&B singers? <laughs> Vincent? I mean, I I I think it's it's really just um it just gets worse and worse as time goes I know. on. I know. It's a sliding scale. Right. Really. Right. I that's I, I yeah. I'm I don't know if there's ever been a more talentless bunch of people purporting to sing R and B than there are right now. Yeah, yeah, because you know what? Because as much as I'm aligned the '90s and I talk about, I mean, you know, you had Monica, you had Brandy, you mm-hmm. like, you had people who could actually sing. I mean, Aaron Hall is from that um, Charlie Wilson school, yes. But Aaron Hall has got a nice voice, got an okay voice, yes. Get the song over. R. Kelly is actually a monster, yes. but he has a nice voice, yes. So nice. you know that. Yeah, so there's talent there, right? But there, there are folks now that are actually tone deaf. (laughs) There are people that sing now that I actually think it's a practical joke. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't know about that, but I mean, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not, yeah, they're not. 
that great. Um, I, I was actually, because every once in a while, I'll listen to like new music. Why? Well, whatever new music that um, Spotify is suggesting. Okay. All right. Just so that, you know, I want to, you know. Be down to kids? <laughs> You'll be down to kids? Not to be down with the kids. But, you know, there might be something that's, oh, that's a surprise. And I uh-huh. actually do like it. And I have found a couple of artists who I, whose music I do enjoy. I mean, I mean, she's not super new, but I, mm-hmm. I love Jasmine Sullivan's la- most, uh, her Grammy winning album. Right, 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 right. Hotel. But like you said, Jasmine Sullivan's first album came out damn near 20 years ago. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's there's this artist, Lucky Day, who I enjoy. I like Lucky Day. My, oh. my nephew put me on the Lucky Day. And I like Ari Lennox. Ari Lennox. I yeah. like Ari yeah. Lennox. Yeah, I like. Like I, I joke, uh, but yeah. Yeah, and I like I like um, what's a uh, 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 actually this this young uh, young girl JoJo. I like her. She's pretty. You're right. I don't know you. Yeah. Uh, okay. I just don't know. No, I just don't, don't know, know who her. she is. I'm not saying that's she's, fine. Yeah. So there's a few that I, I that I like, but there's a but there yes, but to your point, there's the greater majority. It's just whining. Right, right. No, it's I'm just not. gonna go listen to Midnight Marauders again. Well, we can't just always listen to Midnight Marauders. Here's though. the thing. We can't, right? You can't. <laughs> That's the crazy thing. They tell you you can't just listen to it, but here's the thing. You, you really can. can. You actually can. You really can just put it on yeah. and just let it play. Right, right, and right. Let it play again. You know, mix it up a little bit, listen to low end theory. Mm-hmm, 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 oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, all right. Well, don't get me started on today's hip hop. But anyway, <laughs> all right. So uh, and SZA, yeah, like um, Brie Brie Five Seventeen, uh, loves Ari Lennox and and SZA. Mm-hmm. SZA is yeah. good too. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I have more than a few in my playlist. And I have neither one of them are locking up women in the door. Talk it, t- talking about <laughs> no one can hear you. Well, the one thing I will say that I appreciate after years and years of primarily men, mm-hmm. you know, first metaphorically and then just more demonstratively talking mm-hmm. about, you know, what they would do to a woman. Yes. And, you know, and, and all these type of things. I actually appreciate that more and more women, they're singing about what they would do what they would and, do and well. what they're not accepting. And what they're not accepting from, well. from guys. Right. So I appreciate that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Most of you listening right now are probably multitasking. Yep, while you're listening to me talk, you're probably also driving, cleaning, exercising, or maybe even grocery shopping. But if you're not in some kind of moving vehicle, there's something else you can be doing right now. Getting an auto quote from Progressive Insurance. It's easy, and you could save money by doing it right from your phone. Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Discounts for having multiple vehicles on your policy, being a homeowner, and more. So just like your favorite podcast, Progressive will be with you 24-7, 365 days a year, so you're protected no matter what. Multitask right now. Quote your car insurance at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. 
Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. I don't know about you, Vincent, but this has quickly become one of my favorite features. We've got voicemail. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> We've got voicemail, Vincent. Um, let's let's <laughs> let's listen to the voicemail. Yes. Now, if you are you're interested in leaving us a voicemail, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the Michelle voicemail is up and running. Two one five eight six seven nine six six six. You can hit us up, tell Vincent and Len what is on your mind. Tell us uh, uh, what you're thinking about. We're gonna. We thought we we're going to leave this up through up to episode 300. We're just going to keep it going because I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. Vincent, and and you know what, Vincent, who clowned me for months about this, now I told him earlier we've got voicemail. He's like, oh, nice. He he can't wait. He can't wait to hear the voicemails. It's retro. <laughs> you cannot wait you, you you pissed me off with that a little bit but anyway all right so without further ado let's go to our first our first voicemail our first voicemail of the evening okay now this one i don't know the uh gentleman's name okay um but here is their voicemail you have your headphones on so you shall be able to hear it and okay. you should be able to hear it at home as well well just congratulations on Lots of episodes and and movies and 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 using these modern technologies. Sorry for the noise outside. I'm in the middle of traffic, but but I, I figured I can. It's not good to text and drive. It's it's not good to look at the internet and drive. But it, it's okay. They they, they tell me the, the young people tell me it's okay to talk on the phone and drive. It's a weird sensation having a phone in the car. I don't know what to do with a phone in the car. You've got to look at the numbers when you're done. Like you can't look at the numbers and the blood pressure to the brake at the same time. It's a weird thing. I just shifted my car into a different mode just talking to you guys. It's a weird thing. Anyways, anyways, we're talking about the Michelle Mission. We're talking about 300 episodes. Just want to say congratulations and great success on all the movies that you guys have, have you guys have watched. All the good ones, all the bad ones, all the Tyler Perry's and and everything in between. I I I, I love it. I'm a great supporter of the mission, and may the mission may the mission go on. And and I, I'm really really enthusiastic by the fact that you guys are using great technology such as voicemail. So how does this work? Does someone walk into an office and and they have a little machine there, and it says you have two messages waiting, and you press a little button, and it rewinds. And I've still got one of those in my house too, and it's great. It's great for messages. I I don't clean it out enough, and I've got a few extra tapes. Do you guys need tapes? You guys need extra tapes because I have tapes. I can leave you guys some tapes. What did you say? I don't know who that was, but God bless them. God bless them, right? <laughs> right. I don't know. Do we who need those... some tapes, Lynn? Do we need some tapes to put in the machine? <laughs> right, eight was going out of business. <laughs> So I'm I'm that other room is filled filled with tapes filled with tapes and so like white out 
right and, and, <laughs> well i've got a label maker and a label maker yes. <laughs> so i can just right yeah. got you got you um so we're good <laughs> we're good all right well thank you kindly missionary for that wonderful voicemail thank you thank you very much <laughs> the next voicemail this comes from calvin hey calvin even it's a voicemail here we go this voicemail from calvin hey vincent lynn this is calvin i was calling first to tell you how much i enjoyed your review of rosewood a couple weeks ago uh it took me back to when i went to see it myself and just remembering i went with um the young adult group at my church at the time and we were all thankful that we went to see it on a Saturday because we left the theater so angry that we needed um, to be able to talk about it and then go to church the next day before we had to deal with the rest of the rest of the world um, on Monday. Um, I also wanted to say that I really I was like everyone else looking forward to you you all take on the slap heard around the world. So I really enjoyed that uh, conversation from last week. Probably as much as I enjoyed your review of When We Were Kings, which I agree was a very good documentary. Oh, so it was, that's my thoughts for this go-around. Enjoying, waiting to enjoy the next episode and talk to you earlier. Bye. All right. All right. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you, Calvin. I appreciate that. That was nice. Very thoughtful voicemail. Wow. Well, you know. Obviously, he's a professional. Yeah, and knows yeah. how to use the modern technology. The, the modern technologies. That's that's right. That's right. right. We have a final voicemail, Len. Okay, I mean, Len. We have a final voicemail, Vincent. And this is from Leslie. Oh, my sister. Oh, hey, Leslie. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, and if I remember correctly. She has a question that she wants to pose to you as well as to the missionaries. So everyone, okay. listen up. Okay. Hi, I have a question for the Michelle Mission. Every time I watch you guys, you remind me of Siskel and Ebert. Hmm, which one is Siskel and which one would be Ebert? Well, I have my idea of who is who but if you were to ask yourself the question what would you say i'm really curious and in addition to that i wanted to ask this other question so have you ever considered entertaining and maybe you've done this already to women to come on to the show to have a conversation about a movie or two. Maybe you've done this before, but I was just curious. I enjoy watching you guys and looking forward to more episodes. Talk to you soon. Bye. Oh, thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Les. Thank you. Um, so let's address uh, her question. Which one of us is Cisco? Which one of us is Ebert? What would you say, Vincent? Here's here's the thing. I, as I'm sitting here, I realize I don't really, I can't really think of a difference between Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. Oh, I mean, like, like the way they approach the material. Oh, I, I I I definitely because what I also remember is I'm realizing I don't remember a lot about Gene Siskel. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Like, I mean, do you? I mean, I I see him. So you could, you, and I remember watching the reviews, but mm-hmm. I don't remember differentiating the way the two of them. Like, I know Roger Ebert is just very smart, very smart, very. J- but very, a lot yeah. of that I've gotten since Gene Siskel died, mm-hmm. and just reading Roger Ebert's writing. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember a lot about Gene Siskel. Gene Siskel, outside of you know the physical difference between them, because because mm-hmm. Roger was a a larger man. Mm-hmm. Um, Gene Siskel, not a small man, but definitely slimmer and mm-hmm. and bald. Mm-hmm. Um, he was more. I would say down to earth than Roger. Roger, like you said, is a was, is a very intelligent man, mm-hmm. and he's one of those guys who, while he seemed like he could be cool, he's also seemed like one of those guys who wore his intelligence as a badge of honor and wanted to make sure that everybody could see it, mm-hmm. you know, from all vantage points. While Gene Siskel was a little bit more down to earth, you know, kind of like you know homespun a little bit. Um, probably just as smart, mm-hmm. even though he would tell you that he would admit to you that Roger probably was a little bit more educated than he was. Mm-hmm. But Gene Siskel was definitely more, I would say, more relatable to the common man, mm-hmm. you know, uh, than R- Roger. Um, I don't know, like, uh, we, my sister put this out to the, um, to the missionaries. Bree Bree 517 said, this is so easy. Vince is Ebert and Len is Siskel. I mean, I, I feel bad because I can't argue. Like, I want to argue about it, but I don't really have. Really the argument. Honestly, that's probably where I would land on All it. All right, then, then let's go with that. I mean, uh, even though Aaron Fry says that Ebert is the one with the glasses, I'm the one that wears glasses. There, there you go. Of the two of us. Glasses. Yeah, but, dude, I'm, I'm not even like dumb enough to say that I'm as smart as you. You're 10,000 times more intelligent than I am. Yeah, right. Let's fill out some forms. Farrell Blackwell says whichever one of you is married to a black black woman is Roger (laughs) Ebert. Well, that's you, Vincent. (laughs) I can't argue with that. I can't argue with it. I can't. That if that's the tiebreaker, I'm with right, it. right, right. I'm with it, you know. So, yeah. um, but you thank go. you, Leslie. We do, we do appreciate that. And and to your other question about bringing two women onto the show, now, Les is, I will admit, um, even though she's my sister, she's new to the Michelle mission, okay, you know, so she's only recently been like listening. Um, so she doesn't always listen to know that we have had of course women sure sure on our show and we'll continue to have women on our show um and it hasn't happened in a while but on some occasions we have had more than one woman on at a time we have you know we have um we had denise james the reporter denise james and her friend denise mm-hmm. here um ariel johnson our longtime friend of the show has been on with a couple of her friends mm-hmm. once or twice before Mayori was just on here. A few That's months right. Mayori ago was on here with, with um, another member from the, another the member Star, of the Black Star Squad. Uh, squad. Yeah. So yeah. So so we definitely open it up. Absolutely. There is a one particular woman. I'm not going to say her name, but it's a, a woman that is close to both of us. Certainly far more closer to Vincent, who has an open invitation from me to come to the show, but. 
you know, we'll see if that we'll see, one day we may make that happen. We are always open. <laughs> it's so going to punch me in the throat. <laughs> so, I, mean, I so. guess I'm not even sure who you're talking about, but I'm I'm just keeping things moving. Well, oh, I appreciate <laughs> yes. that. I appreciate that. Um, Aaron Fry, a piece of trivia. Gene Siskel purchased John Travolta's <laughs> white suit from Saturday Night Fever. That is true. I do remember that. I do remember that. There actually is, if you... I mean, was it for some weird sex thing? What was No, it's like, you know... He just just one of those it was a, a memorabilia memorabilia thing and he, he he was a huge fan of sarah of the movie saturday Night do you think Fever. he wore it do you think he put it on like do you gene siskel do you think he closed the shades i bet he did and put it on i bet he I, i'm willing to yeah. willing to bet that he did yeah. um there um there's a very cool podcast i think it's under the big picture show podcast mm-hmm. but i could be wrong who just like mostly does reviews of movies and talk about hollywood mm-hmm. i think it was under that but i could be wrong wherever you get your podcast search for cisco and ebert there's a cool about maybe six or seven episode series that just talks about the history of their show interesting and i i listened to it and it actually was very very interesting very cool it goes all the way up from the beginning of their show all the way through all of the um the incarnations from their show from pbs from pbs to when it becomes syndicated um then it goes through the each of their passings over the years mm-hmm. um it's really a dope podcast so i invite everybody to okay to very check nice. that out if you can all right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Now, let's see where we are time-wise. Oh, we are clicking along. We are moving, moving along. Moving at a steady pace. A steady pace, Vince. And it is now time for the game show that is sweeping the nation. That's the key. Yes, it's time for Six Degrees of Durville Martin. Six Degrees of Durville Martin. That's right, where Vincent will try to get from 70s black action hero Durville Martin. Durville Martin. In six movies or less, two. Two. Another one of the famed Hollywood denizens that I present to him. Right. Chosen by Lynn Webb. That's right. And Vincent, oh, we've got two. It is a battle of wits. It is. It is. Now, I decided to play in your wheelhouse, Vincent. Oh. For longtime listeners of the show, they know that you and I, along with being lovers of movies, we are also lovers of comic books. We are. We are indeed. So I dug into the world of superheroes. Interesting. Yes. So... First up, first, get from Durvel Martin in six moves or less to the not first, not even the second, but the third live action Batman, Adam West. Adam West. Okay. Okay. This is going to be a good one. (laughs) 
Okay. Dervil Martin. Yes. Is in. Sheba Baby. Yes, he is in Sheba Baby. With Foxy Brown. Well, with Pam Greer. I'm sorry, with Pam Greer. (laughs) Yes. Pam Greer Mm -hmm. is in Jackie Brown. Yes. With Samuel Jackson. Okay. Samuel L. Jackson Mm -hmm. is in Django Unchained. Okay. With Russ, and, and, and you're going to have to help me. Oh, not okay. Russ Meyer. Russ. Um, is, this, is his name Russ Hamlin? Um, hold on. It might be. Is it, is it Russ Hamlin? Django Unchained cast. Hold on. Let's, let's, let's check it out. Let's check it out. It's a very small role. Let's see. Russ, Russ, Russ. It's Kurt Russell. Mm-mm. Um, de- 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 I'm looking through. It's, it's Russ Tamlin it's with Russ Tamlin. Russ Tamlin. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, all right. Watch my. Table. Is in Seven Brides. Oh, oh my! For God. Seven Brothers. Okay, all right. With Miss Julie Newmar, who is in Batman: The Motion Picture with Adam West. Wow, wait, wait a minute. Let me just check this. Take seven, your time, brother. I'm checking the seven brides for seven. Take your time. Is she one of the brides? She is indeed one of the brides. Let's see. Take your time. I'm I'm looking here. I'm looking. Uh, yes. Julie Newmar is in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Very good, Vincent. Oh, yeah. Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> My God, Ben. You are Roger Ebert. <laughs> You are Roger Ebert. <laughs> Jesus. What what movie was Adam Weston besides Batman? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Cuz I don't know any other movie besides Batman that he was in except for and I want to make sure that I get the I believe I believe he's in the Three Stooges Go West. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to go check. I'm going to check because honestly, I was in my mind. I said, he's got to use Batman because <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can't get to the three suits. Go West. I could have gone through Burgess Meredith, but I was so happy to bring up seven brides for seven brothers. I said, oh, I'm getting to Julie Newmore. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was in probably could use Frank Gershwin too. Not I sit here and think George about. Gershwin. I'm I mean, sorry, not George no, Gershwin. Frank- Frank Gorshin. Gorshin, yeah. I know you were saying. He's Frank Gorshin. Um, He is in the Three Stooges movie, but it's not called the Three Stooges Go West. It's The Outlaws is Coming. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that. It was the final theatrical comedy starring the Three Stooges. Right, right. Yeah, I was going to have to go through Batman. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Batman. And and suffice to say, The Outlaws is Coming predates Batman. Okay. Right. Yeah. Before he made his mark. Yeah. Yeah. In Hollywood. Very good, Vincent. Thank you. That's a good one, Adam West. Very good, Vincent. Um, all right. We've got another one for you. Vincent. All right. 
Still in the world of superheroes. Still in the world of superheroes. Still in the world of superheroes. Who so we got? Six movies or less. Six movies or less. Get from Dervil Martin. Dervil Martin too. Look up in the sky. Oh, it's a bird. Uh huh. It's a plane. Uh huh. It's Supergirl Helen Ooh, Slater. Helen Slater. Yes. Oh, now if you've if you've already mapped away to Helen Slater, no, no, I haven't mapped away Helen Slater at all. Helen Slater, who got her movie break in Supergirl, it's her first. Movie. Wow, is that her first? And then first the only movie. other thing she was in was what the Ballad of Billie Jean. She was in The Legend of Billie Jean. She's actually in a few, not, not a, like great movies, but she is uh, in 1986. She's in Ruthless People. Remember Ruthless People? That's the um, Danny a, DeVito yeah. movie. Uh, Bette Midler. I was about to say. She's in The Secret of My Success with uh, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I can, I could probably get to. She's in get City through. Slickers. Is she in City Slickers? I mean, I don't know what she is, but it's on her IMDb. She's yeah, in City Slickers. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So Helen Slater. All right. Darvell Martin mm-hmm. is in is in Hell Up in Harlem. Mm. Mm-hmm. With Fred Williamson, who's in Three the Hard Way with Jim Brown, who's in The Split with Gene Hackman, mm-hmm. who's in Superman, the motion picture with, and I forget, the, I don't, I forget, no one knows the actor's name. What's the, what's the dude's name that plays Jimmy Olsen? Oh, um, good question. Uh, I'm I'm assuming you're going to say he's in Supergirl. Yeah. Um. So that would be Mark McClure. Mark McClure, who's in Supergirl with Helen Slater. Boy, that's a deep cut. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's either that or or like who? Like he's all? the only person from that movie. I know from Superman. That's that's, that's the Super- connective tissue. Yeah. And who all is in the Legend of Billie Jean? In the Legend of Billie Jean? Because is that her real life brother? That plays her brother in the film. No, oh, that's a, you're asking me questions for which I do not know the answers. You know, I love the legend of Billie Jean because Michael Jackson was so big. They made a movie that had absolutely nothing to do with Michael Jackson or Michael Jackson's music. Mm-hmm. It just had the word Billie Jean in it. Mm-hmm. And somehow it became a thing. I don't see any mention of of it being her brother, and I don't see like there's not another Slater. Oh no, Christian Slater is 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 Christian Slater her brother? I think so. I'm pretty sure they're actual siblings. Well, let's find out. Let's find out. It. it, I I don't know if that's really her her sibling. That's not really her. Yeah, no, because it's not mentioned any place in her. Right. Uh, yeah, a common misconception is that she's related to Christian Slater. Got you. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go with the Jimmy Olsen then. Well, Jimmy that's Olsen my final answer. There. Get you there. Now I'm curious. See, and I should have assumed you went went with Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering if there could have been a way to get there easierly by using Faye Dunaway. 
who's the I villain. forgot Faye Dunaway. Yeah, is in there. Yeah, right. So so and you know who else is in there? And like, it, and I seriously, if I saw Supergirl, it was years ago. So I don't. It was really dull. You know who else is in there? Who? At, on, obviously, cashing a check. Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole is in Supergirl. Yes, Lawrence of Arabia is in Supergirl. Well, I mean, Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde is in there too. So. Right, right, right. So who, who, who am I to knock? Well, that was well done, Vincent. Well, thank you, sir. I am, I am surprised. And yes, Farrell Blackwell, he did not use five on the black hand side. I did not. He did not. I did not. Not at all. So, I mean, even we are all the more impressed. All the more. By you not using the key that was in your pocket. And I got to talk about Russ Tamlin. And how many times does that come up? Not enough as far as I'm concerned, because between Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and West Side Story, it seems like it should come up all the time. It really shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not going to piss on a man's grave. And it really should. Russ Tamlin had the, the axe handle yeah. and was jumping over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> in that movie. When you told me what that, like, because I've never seen Seven Brides. <laughs> but when you told me what, like, what the story, like, for people who don't. I was about to say, we should push that up. Actually, that's one of my favorite little things that we did. Our little musical thing. Yeah. 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 yeah we should pull that out of the crates yeah we got to find f- figure out which episode that was on that was- no it was its own little thing was it yeah we you actually have it cut up as a um oh as a, a, a as a binge lounge i sure do because but- it was you know it was like 12 minutes it was yeah you know what i'm, I'm I'll, I'll put it out there. yeah pull that out and push that to the I'm gonna pull that. I'm pulling our, it out. Are talking about seven brothers, and that'll be something. That'll seven be seven brothers, an added download for yeah. all of you listening to the podcast. Right, right. Check the feed; that'll also be up, so you can check it out. Yeah, because yeah, you <laughs> need to hear the story if you don't know of what Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is about. Because I didn't know, and the joy I had telling you. Yeah. About seven brides for seven brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Tembo and Zambia. <laughs> if you got problems with Aaron Hall. <laughs> Wait till we tell Wait you, till you tell you about these seven brothers. <laughs> and ain't no metaphors. Oh <laughs> ain't no metaphors in this one. Oh no. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh god yeah big fan of russ tamlin big oh fan. boy big fan oh boy all right all right all right let's um all right it's time to get to our review <laughs> time to get into our review of beverly hills cop we'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it California anyway. I was working. Working where? Beverly Hills. Hey, Mikey. 
Well, you don't mind if I ask around a little bit, do you? Don't do a damn thing. Stay out of this. You know, this is the cleanest and nicest police car I've ever been in in my life. This thing's nice in my apartment. And I just got off the phone with an Inspector Todd in Detroit. He says if you're out here investigating the Tandino murder... How you doing? You needn't bother coming back. You haven't the slightest idea who you're dealing with. Look, all three of us are cops. We should be working together. Cover me. Police! You're all under arrest! You do that again, I'll shoot you myself. Now, it's something to drink, a wine, a cocktail, a, a espresso. No, I'm fine, thank you. I'll make it myself right back there with a the little lemon twist. It's good. Try it. Beverly Hills Cop, directed by Martin Bress, written by Daniel Petrie, and starring the one and the only Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley, a street smart Detroit cop who visits Beverly Hills, California to solve the murder of his best friend. Co-starring Judge Reinhold, John Ashton, Lisa Eilbacher, Stephen Burkhoff, Paul Reiser, mm. Jonathan Banks, mm-hmm. Blink, and you won't miss him, hmm. Damon Wayans, Blink, and you may miss one of the best performances in the movie, Bronson P. Show, mm. and the always fantastic Ronnie Cox. <laughs> this 1984 action film was Vincent's selection for this stop on the Me Show mission. Vincent, what say you of Beverly Hills Cop? I think Beverly Hills Cop casts such a large shadow mm-hmm. on movies that you forget to watch the movie itself. Hmm. So much of the DNA of this film is in so much of what we talk about with entertainment. Whether we are, you, you know, obviously the the sort of the 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 sort of obvious places where you see its influence, whether you're talking about the work that Chris Tucker has done with Jet Lee or Jackie I'm sorry, Chan. with Jackie Chan or 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 frankly many of the characters that Will Smith has played mm-hmm. over the years. But I would argue Chris Pratt is, is you see him pulling from this like so many of the the wise acre mm-hmm. action here, Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's a straight line to this film. And this is a film that since it debuted in 84, immediately just became part of the fabric of, of film and in the way we talk about film and this and the other. So that I really tried to pull some observations and, and I really have sort of 
uh, you know, four kind of big observations. Okay. Just kind of start. Hit me. First is that this is a legit action film. Yep. This is not a comedy. Nope. I, I think we, we, we've we talked about it but previously. It's worth noting this is a film, the development of the film. Um, it was developed as an action film and as a thriller and and started with Mickey Rourke, apparently, but most famously Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, it really got cooking under Sylvester. Right, was, was attached to this, and, and then he passed past the um he he passed and then eddie murphy was attached and there was some rewriting Mm. to fit eddie murphy in the film but you can tell that this is a film that this is an actual action film Mm -hmm. and that is significant in the way that murphy works within this movie because this is not a comedian in a comedy and and the, the 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 sort of narrative environment is funny. So everybody is making jokes and you're just sort of navigating that. No, this is a film where Eddie Murphy is, except for a couple of moments, and you named them, frankly, you know, Bronson Pin- Pinchat, Pinchot. Pinchot, and Damon Wayans both have one scene. Mm-hmm. But everybody else is playing this straight. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the plot is pretty lean and straightforward, as you said. You're kind. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're kind. It it really isn't a plot, you You're know. Right. As you said, Eddie Murphy's friend. Uh, I'm sorry, Axel Foley's friend that he went to high school with comes to visit him in Detroit. Both of them have had this sort of checkered past together mm-hmm. when they were kids. Mm-hmm. It's 1984, so you forgive the clumsy foreshadowing because this is when when this this trope was invented. But you know, he hugs Axel Foley, tells him how much he loves him, and mm-hmm. and and you can tell he has a big big X over him. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to be the catalyst, right? But when Axel Foley goes to Beverly Hills and immediately spots the gallery owner as the murderer, that's the end of the plot development. Pretty much. Like, this is who did it. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to do. And then the film just sort of unfolds until you get to that. Yeah. Third, coming off of that, coming off of the fact that there isn't a lot of plot Mm -hmm. this is a film that is really only interested in teeing up a play and teeing up a scene so that eddie murphy can be eddie murphy yeah scene after scene after scene it's it's basically a variation of the torchy scene mm-hmm. from 48 hours mm-hmm. that launched Eddie Murphy into the stratosphere for someone who's a policeman. It's fascinating how little Axel Foley pulls his badge out, right? Like he really does talk himself in the play. He talks himself into a gallery. He talks himself into a warehouse. Mm-hmm. He talks himself into restaurants. He talks himself into all these places. He talks himself into a partnership. 
even when he pulls out a badge, he lies about what the badge is. Mm -hmm. And this is really just all about Eddie Murphy being Eddie Murphy at this moment. 48 hours, you get a peek at him where he basically takes over the movie. Mm-hmm. Trading Places is a comedy, but in a lot of ways, it's an ensemble. More so, yeah. More so than this. But this is really the starring vehicle. Exactly. For Eddie Murphy. Exactly. And as Eddie Murphy in 1984, it you, you completely get it. Like, watching it again, watching it after everything, like, every, you know, 2022... We know Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy is an icon. Everything. You've seen this movie, I don't know how many times, but you absolutely understand how this worked Mm -hmm. and how Hollywood and the world had never seen anything like Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. He is so charismatic. He's funny. But I think what's more important than his humor is his timing. Yeah. yeah. The way he moves through the scenes, the, the, the way he bounces off of one thing that I think, you, you know, I mentioned, uh, I mentioned performers who have pulled from this. Mm-hmm. And whether we are talking about um, a Chris Tucker or, or Martin Lawrence or, or, or Christopher Pratt or Ryan Reynolds even. I think something that very few performers get across as much as Eddie Murphy does in Beverly Hills Cop is just how smart he is. Mm. Like he's so like he's so much smarter than everyone in the room. It's it's I hesitate to do this because it's a sports analogy. (laughs) You might be messing. I'll, I'll tell you if you go astray. Well, as someone who didn't watch sports, I heard about Michael Jordan way before I saw Michael Jordan. Mm. Like, I remember this bubbling, you know, this guy, Michael Jordan, Michael, and, you know, we're old enough to remember when Michael Jordan actually played. Mm-hmm. But I have a distinct memory the very first time I actually sat and watched this guy. Okay. Like, this guy that, that everybody, my brother and everybody's talking about. And in his prime, it really was like he was moving at a different speed mm-hmm. than everyone. Like it was almost like it, we were talking about the matrix during the break, but it was almost like other people were moving in slow motion and he was just darting in between them. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get with Eddie Murphy in this film where he's just darting in between all the other players. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So that just through his sheer being he elevates this film to the point where you understand how it was what it was Mm -hmm. but he also elevates this film present tense where it holds up where again you've seen this movie a million times you know the beats Mm -hmm. everyone has stolen from this movie for the past 30 years Mm -hmm. but it still holds up and i think eddie murphy in 1984 is is just this really fascinating singular performer 
especially when you think about the fact that a he's fairly asexual he doesn't have a love interest there's maybe one or two moments in the film where he acknowledges the female form Mm -hmm. b textually it's pretty deracialized like Eddie Murphy, you know, Eddie Murphy, I think, has these very obviously racialized markers. Like he's obviously a yeah, black man. Yeah. Yeah. But there's one moment where the the police chief in in Los Angeles tells him he looks like a hoodlum, mm-hmm. which you can, you know, obviously squint your eyes and say, is that some race stuff? But besides that, there's never an explicit reference. Not really. To him being a black man. Right, navigating you know these white spaces, these and if spaces. it is, it's made by him. And if it is, it's made by him. And for him to be able to be desexualized, deracialized, but still be fully Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. I think is this testament to Eddie Murphy at this moment. So that it, it, it I don't really have anything that controversial to say this was a triumph when it came out and it remains a triumph it is and like you said i think it is it is a triumph primarily if not solely because of eddie murphy because as you pointed out watching this movie again it is a action movie first you know um the story is paper thin um and even the because he, he he goes to L.A. to Beverly Hills to solve the murder of his best friend that happened in Chicago, you know, um, or Detroit, excuse me, in Detroit. Um, and he, you know, traces it back to Beverly Hills. And there you get a few scenes, a few moments of him being a fish out of water in Beverly Hills. Um and before he he locks eyes on the gallery owner, who pretty much is the the big bad of the mo- the movie, played by Stephen Burkoff, uh, the Victor Baitland character. And after that, this basically becomes uh, it really almost becomes like you know Columbo the movie because mm. you already know who the bad guy is, you already know he did it, and it's just a matter of how is. Axel Foley, you know, Columbo without the jacket, um, going to figure it out. Right. And he basically figured this out by going to a warehouse, leaving the warehouse, returning to the warehouse, and oh boy, he figured it out. That's pretty much it. And everything else, like you said, is basically uh, uh, an opportunity to set up Eddie Murphy to you know, say a couple of lines, but more just be Eddie Murphy because you understand when you read the backstory on the script, there's a lot of riffing by Eddie Murphy Mm -hmm. in this movie, which at this moment in 1984, his star ascending so high in in Hollywood that it makes sense you you give this man the lead to, to rock and roll with this. And he's funny, but he's not drop dead it's like i think there's a reason why especially bronson pincho's scene stands out so much because it is one you know he's riffing a little bit but a lot of that is 
it's written. It's there on the script. Right. It's right there in the script. Whereas Eddie is kind of like he he he's riffing. He's and some of some of the jokes come off as maybe a little bit reaching, and some some of the jokes land. It all gets a pass because it's Eddie Murphy. It's right. just like you said. Like, you know, you like me and you can shoot a jumper, we can shoot 20 straight jumpers, and they all go, well, I can shoot 20 straight jumpers. And they could go uh go in one after another. And it's like, oh my God, Len is knocking these jumpers. Michael Jordan comes and shoots one jumper. It's like, oh my God, that's such the best jumper I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. No one's ever shot a jumper like but that is what Eddie Murphy is in 1984. He is now already in, in this early into his film career. He's already conquered TV through Saturday Night Live. He's already stolen movies from Nick Nolte. And Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. who even more so than Nick, than Nick Nolte in 48 Hours, Dan Aykroyd is standing on equal footing with Yo, Eddie Murphy yeah. in Trading Places. And, and, and Eddie steals the movie from him. He's already so big that they, they force him into a Dudley Moore movie <laughs> just so that it can make a little bit of money. Right, right, right. right. You know? So... um he, at this point, you know, yeah, this was a vehicle for Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone um, passes on it. Honestly, by the time that he was passing on it, the producers had already gotten wind that they maybe could get Eddie Murphy. So they were kind of like helping push Sylvester out of the way <laughs> right. so that we could, you know, like, oh, you want to go do Cobra? I was about to say, so he could make Cobra. You want to go do Cobra? <laughs> you know what? Because it's you, Sly. Go, go make Cobra, bar. Go make Cobra, Here's bro. Some sunglasses. And before he's on the plane, they've made the deal with Eddie Murphy, right, right, for Beverly Hills Cop for this movie. So they already know what they have, right, right there. And and Eddie pulls this. He 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 pulls the train along. There's um. There's a reason why, like I said, Bronson Pinchot, there's a reason why Damon Wayans, he gets a pass because he really is. He's very early in his career. It's mm-hmm. literally 20 seconds in the movie. Yeah. It's, it's, an, it's a funny bit. It's whatever. But it's a re- reason why Bronson Pinchot and even more to his point, the actor Ronnie Cox, who plays like the, the chief of detectives yeah. in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they stand out because one, they're strong performers, especially Ronnie Cox, um, to, who pretty much makes uh, um, he makes his place known in this in this movie. Like he will not be denied his place whenever he has to deliver some lines. Because mm-hmm. when you think about it, think about all these action movies. When has the chief of the detectives? ever become that much a, a part of the story. Right. But that's right. A, a testament to Ronnie Cox. Revisionist history tells us that just like Beverly Hills Cop 2, that Eddie goes to Beverly Hills and he teams up with um, Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold and John Ashton's mm-hmm. detectives and they have wacky adventures. No. That doesn't happen till two. Right. In That's this right. one, they pretty much are just along for the rides, get a couple of lines here and there, but they really are just the audience watching 
the birth of Eddie Murphy superstar happen along with us right throughout this entire movie like there's there's a couple of moments where you can see them it's supposed to be their scenes but they don't even really land because one they don't the film doesn't give them a, enough real estate to really push it um and two the film can't wait to turn the cameras back on to Eddie and and again he's like you know he's like a silverfish. I mean, he's just moving right, and you can't the blame film. him. And you can't you can't blame them, right? One like who can iota. keep up with him? No, you can't. You can't. And and it it, it it's like what I was struck by watching this film again is one. I remember falling in love with this soundtrack when I first saw it in 1984. <laughs> The soundtrack is, if you're back in 1984, this is still a great soundtrack. Everybody's doing the Neutron dance, <laughs> you know, um, Pointer Sisters doing the thing. Patti LaBelle is, 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 is rocking out in, in this, you know, that's in 1984. Listen to them in 2022. <laughs> it's like, boy, those sound like good 1984 tracks. Say, 1984. Oh, boy. Oh, it was, it was nice visiting you. <laughs> You know, right? So and then, so then you just kind of keep it moving, but then I I was like, but I should be in for a really fun time, mm-hmm. and it really, it really is not you. And the signs of it is this movie, whereas an Eddie Murphy movie, you figure you're going to be introduced to Eddie and it's going to be like funny and, and a funny comedic bit and everything, and it is a little funny in the yeah, beginning when you yeah. see him in the back of this truck. You know, he's about to kind of like pull, like kind of sting on these guys. Right. That lasts for maybe a minute. Yeah. Before you are in to like a five minute truck chase scene at the top of this movie. Cool scene. Right. Right. You know, great scene. You know, legitimate uh, action sequence. Legitimate action sequence. Tribute to having you know, um, you know, uh, 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 live effects, live trucks driving through the mm-hmm. streets of Detroit. You know, there's none of this, no CGI happening there. Great scene, but you know, and I love Eddie Murphy, but that could have been Sylvester Stallone in the back of that truck. That could have yes. been. Arnold Schwarzenegger, name your 80s action star at the back. Yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, And and, and that pretty much continues on for the rest of this movie. You got to remember, the template for the 80s action film, the reason why they wanted Sylvester Stallone is because he and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jean-Claude Van Damme and Chuck Norris, they had set this template. Mm -hmm. It was like this big, tough guy was going to, you know, be you know, taking names and kicking asses right. as they solve this some crime or murder or, or what have you. And maybe every once in a while they were crack crack wise. Sylvester Stallone passes on this movie because one, he doesn't believe that his audience will believe that he doesn't know his way around Beverly Hills. Right. Ah, the hell out of here. Um so be and because by that time in 1984, Sylvester Stallone is believing his own freaking hype. Well, yeah. You know, he is smelling the hell out of himself. Yeah, and look, it man. don't stink. Look. So. 84. So, I mean, what years? What's Rocky 2? Rocky 2 is what? 78. Right. So, by eight. the time we get to. Yeah. Yeah. Rocky 2 is 79, mm-hmm. so, which means that Rocky 3 is 82. It, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. and you know where Rocky Rocky Three puts him uh, in the stratosphere, and Rocky Four is eighty five, so he's about to film Rocky Four. So mm-hmm. and and he's and he he's doing he's doing his his Cobra thing, right? A movie that I saw alone in the movie. Theaters. I know you told me it's the saddest thing. It's the saddest. Thing. It, it, yes, in in many ways. You're bringing down the room, even even <laughs> referencing it. it. Yeah, but yeah, so so um. This is just a straight out action film that has all of those templates. The difference in this one is, is that it is Eddie Murphy who, instead of just cracking wise, he can riff. He can crack wise and he can just keep it going, you know, Um, and carry everybody else through this film and carry this film on his back and make it as memorable as you believe it is. And, and again, I was trying to think of someone before Eddie Murphy who disrupted the template like this. Like like you have this comedic actor in an action film. Hmm. Like Chevy Chase makes Fletch right around this time. Yeah, but, but that's, that's not straight, really an action film. Yeah, that's like a it's, straight comedy. It, right, right. I mean, you know... <laughs> And it's almost is it a strike? Is would you call Fletch, Fletch a comedy? No, I, like I would think about that more as maybe a, a funny episode of Columbo. Well, I was going to say it's a comedy, but it's a comedy in the way that the early Pink Panther movies, right? Were a but but like you said, an actual again, this is the type of role that Will Smith and Ryan Reynolds and Chris Pratt. Like, this is their bread and butter. Mm -hmm. Like, this Jurassic World that's about to come out, Chris Pratt is basically Axel Foley. Okay. Like, I'm going to crack jokes, and I'm going to do my little thing, but I'm in an actual adventure film. Mm -hmm. Did anyone do this before Beverly Hills Cop? Like, that's my, like, like, that's an actual question, because I couldn't think of anyone. Either, like you said, it was a comedy, Mm-hmm. Or it was an action film, and, and like you said, like everyone you just named, they might crack a joke, but but there's no question that Arnold and 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 so and Sly and Chuck Norris, like these are tough guys. No, I can't think of it. I mean, there was a lane he never, certainly never, you know, drove down the lane. There was a lane I think for Richard Pryor maybe to have done it. But he totally went another way, and he wasn't in any action films. No, but I, th- I, I think if he had leaned that way, coming out of the black exploitation era, he could have. Right. But he, he and maybe it just wasn't in him. Just you know, wasn't in him. Yeah. To, to do it. Um. So no, he didn't do it. A lot of the stars of black exploitation took themselves way too seriously. Right. Right. Like Fred Williamson wasn't going to do it. James Jim Brown wasn't going to do it. Right. And and like you said, now we're in the eighties, and certainly. The, the 80s stars weren't going to do it. Like, I think Eddie Murphy invented a brand new thing. Yeah, you did. You know, and you know, you mentioned Will Smith and Chris Pratt. You know, another one who. And Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Another one who kind of follows in his wake. And we haven't touched on any of his movies really yet. Um, Before we get to 300, Martin Lawrence kind of. Martin Lawrence. Martin know. Lawrence is an, I'm, I mean, we're obviously coming to Bad Boys. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, Bad Boys is the direct descendant. Oh, yeah. Of this. Most certainly. In, in, in many, in ways. many ways. In many ways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, 
wow, I was going to say Damon Wayans, but he really didn't know. He only did. Um, I mean, he was in the last Boy Scout. He was, yeah. The I think Boy that's Scout, his big. I think the only one who, I don't know. Nobody, certainly nobody before him. Right. Certainly no one before him. You could argue Keenan Ivory Wayans in um, Low Down Dirty Shame. Yeah, but even that's at after. Right, right. You know? Um, oh, yeah. Well, I can't think of anyone before. There's, there's, nobody, there's nobody before yeah. him. Yeah, he he has it all to himself. You you know, it, it, you know, you always second guess thing bringing up the name. You know, I mentioned um, uh, prior. There could have been a lane at one time for Bill Cosby to go through there because of I Spy. He was a hit on I Spy. He was a hit on I Spy. You know the weird thing about I Spy. Bill Cosby is not that funny on I Spy. Well, it's not a comedy. Here's the thing. Robert Culp is actually pretty funny on I Spy. Well, yeah, because they're playing him up. He is definitely uh, right. The they're playing star. him up. He usually has the, the and romance. Robert Culp, he, he, he has a way of acting that is funny, even when he's not trying to be funny. Right. Well, I'm just saying like you like this kind of mix of genres, mm-hmm. but you're right. Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. At that time, would I mean, have been great in the seventies in a version of this. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, he does the Sidney Poitier movies. I think if he had maybe leaned a, one way or another, he could have. We actually talked about it when we talked about a piece of the action. If, if a piece of the action would have been a better film, yeah, that would have chosen a lane. Mm-hmm. Like there's a Instead version of, of a piece of the action that yep. just leans on the two of them. Mm-hmm. as action heroes yeah 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 that could have done this yeah but alas no one did it until eddie. until now until eddie yeah and he, and he does run away with it you know like he, look where does he go after beverly hills cop i mean he goes to um what beverly hills cop two uh let's let's go through his filmography this is 1984 well the funny thing is i'm i'm ready to argue he really he never matches the lightning in the bottle of beverly hills cop like i think after this he leans into the comedy i don't know about that because i think and it's been a minute since i've seen it but i think beverly hills cop 2 is a better movie oh i watched 20 minutes of Beverly Hills Cop 2, and I disagree with you. And fair. Yeah, after that. Yeah. I haven't seen it in, in I don't know how long. But after this, he does um, The Golden Child. Which is okay. I don't think The Golden Child is as bad as people say it is. Yeah, it, but it's it's okay. Yeah, it's very okay. Uh, then he does Beverly Hills Cop 2. Right. Then he does, then actually, you think he maybe stays in this lane for for longer than he, he really does. does. Not. He doesn't, because after that is Eddie Murphy Raw. Right. And then, and then we, coming to America. I was about to say, now Mates. you're heading, right. And then he retreats yep. back for another 48 hours. Yeah. Which yeah. is not that good. Not that good. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's it, like you said, it seems like he stayed in this space. Yeah, but he really But he really doesn't. He really doesn't. Not 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 long at all, you know. Like I think the next time he really kind of circles back to try and get this th- this this dynamic of the comedian in an action film 
is damn near metro. Well, I mean, I mean, Beverly Hills Cop Three. I was about to say, putting aside sequels to this. Okay, okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. It is metro because after you know you got Beverly Hills Cop Two eighty seven and Eddie Murphy Raw in eighty seven eighty eight. It's got Coming to America eighty nine Harlem Nights ninety another forty eight hours ninety two is Boomerang and the Distinguished Gentleman. Both comedies. 94 is Beverly Hills Cop 3. 95, Vampire in Brooklyn. Comedy. Well, I mean, that's comedy horror. Right. So, you know, he did try and mix it. But he's trying to mix and it he up And he definitely is bit. trying to play it more straight in that yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, 96. And 96 is The Nutty Professor. Right. And he, Obviously a comedy. And so he, when's Metro? Metro is 97. Right. But you want to you, you got to think that he probably films Metro right after Nutty Professor. Mm-hmm. Nutty Professor blows up, and then after that, outside, um, after that, then he's got Mulan, Doctor Doolittle, Holy Man, and then he's not really into like another movie that we really like until Life. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say we we like. And cause, again, because Mulan, he I, I, is then firmly in comedies. You got Metro, which you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dream Girls. Well, Dream Girls is late, much later. Yeah, I mean, in between there, you got Doctor Doolittle, Holy Man, Life, Bowfinger, Nutty Professor Two, Shrek, Doctor Doolittle Two, Showtime. <sighs> The Adventures of Pluto Nash, which is a missed opportunity. I Showtime might be in that quality aside. Showtime might be in this space. In, in this space, and so is I Spy, maybe because I Spy. And, but by no, now, no, what, no. I Spy was a straight comedy, was it? Yeah, so because it was a that's spoof because it's him. And, it's him um, and um Owen Wilson. Yeah, but that's a straight comedy. Yeah, a bit of a spoof on the whole. You know now. The unintentional result of this conversation is I want to go back and watch Metro and Showtime. Eventually, I think we will have to get to them. I was about to say we have to. <laughs> we're not going to get to them anytime. We're not going to, to them tonight. Not tonight. Not getting to, well. May's coming up. Yeah, you know. So something else. Speaking of Eddie Murphy, as this deracialize or 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 deracialized de um sexualized being a few months ago we were talking about whoopi goldberg and how whoopi goldberg has this same type of challenge during this period and and i'm thinking specifically the conversation that we had around jumping jack flash mm-hmm. and we talked about whoopi goldberg they very deracialized very desexualized and for her films, it doesn't work. But I think the difference between Whoopi Goldberg's work in the 80s mm-hmm. and Beverly Hills Cop and and quietly a, a, a fair amount of, of Eddie Murphy work during this period is that they let Eddie Murphy be Eddie Murphy. Like, they just let him go. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, you, you talked about the fact that the script had a fair amount of space mm-hmm. for him to just be Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference 
outside of sexism. Like, I think you always got to acknowledge the sexism of just him being a man and Whoopi Goldberg being a woman. But I do think because Whoopi Goldberg was more of an accomplished actress, mm. traditional in the, in the traditional sense, I don't know how much filmmakers left her space mm-hmm. to just riff and improvise and do things the way they did Eddie Murphy. Well, I think the difference also is that Whoopi Goldberg is not a traditional comedian in that way. And then there's the fact that she's not actually right. a comedian like that. You got to remember what what blows her up is her one woman show. Right. Where she takes on these different characters. Right. And she's basically a storyteller. And it, and basically right. Yeah. You know Whoopi Goldberg probably t- more to me always seemed more of a, you know, um cultural descendant of Lily Tomlin because that's the oh, that's, that that's Lily very Tomlin true. Was, yeah. Was in, you know. Yeah. Um and the films that Whoopi was given in the height of her powers were basically just, you know, oh, it's a funny chick. Well, we'll let her riff. That's not Whoopi. Whoopi still needs right. a smart script from which to kind of like build a, a character and find some nuance. Yeah, I, I still think there was this very deliberate neutering. Oh no, I, of I Whoopi agree Goldberg with that. I agree that with you that. don't get with Eddie Murphy, no, even no. even in Beverly Hills Cop, like I think there really is this open space for him. And and one of the things I always think when I see Beverly Hills Cop, and as I said, for someone like me, it shouldn't work, mm-hmm. but it does mm-hmm. because it's Eddie Murphy and because they give him this space. And I always sort of think, wow, I wish Whoopi Goldberg had a version of this film that they would let her just do her thing or I wish she had. Yeah. And she didn't, but I I wish that somebody had just given her the money to really sit down and write a script. I don't know that Eddie and Whoopi has ever been given the opportunity to just create a movie for herself. I, I mean, the time has passed, unfortunately. Now, right, right. Well, uh, well, you know, she's at a different, a different phase in her career. Different phase in her career, but you know, but but uh, you actually had a little teaser. You said that the success of this film affected a celebrity's career. Oh, and I was wondering who you were talking. I about. was talking specifically about Sylvester Stallone. Oh, right, because right. he does go off to do Cobra, Cobra. which is. A huge bomb. Yeah. A huge bomb. Um, but because of the hubris that he shows in Cobra, this begins the downward slide, I think, a little bit prematurely for Sylvester Stallone in his career. Um, mm. And that's what I was was really getting at. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's still Sylvester Stallone. He's going to have, you know his hits that are going to sprinkle up every now and then. But I think that for the most part, you can hold on. I had it right here. 
track, he he's not really the same. His career is never really the same. I mean, I hear you, but a year after Cobra, he makes Over the Top. Yeah. The greatest film ever made about competitive arm wrestling. So that contradicts your little narrative, I think. <laughs> Um, I noticed that the Criterion Collection released their class of twenty twenty of twenty twenty two. That's going to get the Criterion Collection treatment. And I'm waiting for someone to really do something with over the top. Well, here's the thing from uh, 1987 after <laughs> where he plays Lincoln Link Hawk, a competitive arm wrestler. You ever see over the top? I, I have. Seen yeah, yeah. Top. <laughs> I have. I have seen. Th- that uh, sweaty movie. Even in '87, I was like, I, "Okay, this is a bit much. This is a, you're stretching it. This is this, this, this is what we're doing. This is what yeah. competitive arm wrestling, huh? Like worldwide wrestling of arm, <laughs> arm wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, '84 is when you know Beverly Hills Cop comes out, and '84. Sylvester Stallone. That's also the year Rhinestone comes out. Is in Rhinestone. He's in Rhinestone with a Dolly musical Parton. comedy with Dolly Parton. <laughs> now, Dolly, she wants herself some Sylvester Stallone. She gets Sylvester Stallone. It's I. I don't. I think it's fair to say this was a miss. This did not. Rhinestone was not a hit. I'm a New York cabbie named Nick Martinelli. You gonna make me into a country singer? <laughs> the movie cost twenty eight million. It made twenty one million. That is the definition of not a hit. Okay. He then returns with Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Um, now, admittedly, that's a hit. Oh, that's and that's a real good movie. Mm. Oh, I love for you're crazy. The Rambo movies are fantastic. No, 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 no. Why? Why do you hate America? First Blood. Why do you hate America? First Blood, the first movie, no. is a good movie. Rambo First Blood 2 is fantastic. Yeah. No. Anyway, I, I disagree. But it's a hit. It's a hit. I'm gonna give it I, I'm I'll give it up that it's a hit. But then he follows it, he follows that up with Rocky Four. Yeah. All you all you people kneel at the altar of Rocky Four. That's right. And Rocky Four is a hit. Yes. But Rocky IV is a bad movie. You know what? Rocky Why IV, do you hate America? Rocky IV is nothing but three montages and two fights. You're the best. Oh, oh wait. No, 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 never mind. That's a I karate kid. Yeah, I had a tiger. That, yeah. That's what Rocky IV. Now, what do most of these films have in common? Sylvester Stallone writes these movies. You know Because what? Sylvester Stallone, because he, 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 he lucked up with Rocky now believes that he is a writer. He is an auteur, as it were. And after that comes Cobra over the top. Over the top. That's about that's that's about professional arm wrestling. <laughs> Cause remember they had the little thing in the middle that you hold on to as you I was like they really thought this out. They, they thought out all the mechanics. Um. Yes. Uh. Then he's got uh Rambo three mm-hmm. lock up Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash is not bad. Right. Tango and Cash is a dumb 
movie. But it's not bad. It's a dumb. But it's entertaining. It's a dumb. I'm movie. not mad at Tango I and defy Cash. You. I've watched it again recently, and it's like, oh my god, this movie is dumb. It's, and I love Kurt Russell. It's a dumb movie, and you know why? You know why it's a dumb movie, Vincent? Because of Sylvester Stallone. Yes, because Sylvester Stallone wrote is taking himself too freaking seriously. Yeah, yeah. He didn't write it, but it's it's just it's just dumb. I'm on Tango and Cash. And then, <laughs> after returning once again <laughs> to Rocky because Rocky he needs five. money, that's right. so he goes to Rocky Five. He then comes back with Oscar. I've 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 a soft spot for Oscar. Are you serious? <gasps> Because he's so against type. Oscar is where he plays a gangster. He's the gangster, right. In like the 30s. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a period piece. Right. This is his Harlem Nights. Yeah. And it's horrible. It's not funny. It's not. It's him trying to do a straight comedy. Yeah. He's not funny. He no. can't get a line over at all. Takes himself way too seriously. So I guess you don't like Stop or My Mom Will Shoot Them. No, I don't. Right. I don't like How that. about Cliffhanger where he's a mountain climber? Cliffhanger, I actually did enjoy. That you like. I, I didn't mind Cliffhanger. So that's just alone as the mountain climber. That was a comeback for him. I didn't mind Cliffhanger. I did not. I did not. Demolition Man, I didn't like. Oh, you're crazy. Demolition Man is fantastic. Eh, I, mean, eh, eh, I don't like Demolition Man. The Specialist, meh. Judge Dredd, stop it. That's horrible. I, and 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 after that, it's just... It's, about to say, now you're all in, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's all downhill. And then... Copland is good in spite of him mm. because he's, he's, you know, he's, he's Oscar searching for an Oscar. So yeah, I think this is the beginning of the end. Well, maybe it's not so much the beginning of the end, but it's like, it changes the, tra- it cha- the changes trajectory. trajectory a bit. Yeah. To, even though to be fair, this movie is not a hit with Sylvia. It's not like, the monster hit that it is with no not at all with sylvester Stone. not at all we've the funny thing is we've again we've been talking about this film for years without talking about this film the 80s are littered oh boy with movies that try to recreate this magic mm-hmm. and they just can't do it because no one can figure out no, nobody's got that, that eddie murphy sauce right yeah so yeah, there's absolutely no way this would have been a hit with Rocky Balboa. I mean, with um Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Bree Bree five seventeen that she says she's still waiting for our review of the Telephone starring Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, practically a one woman play. I don't even know if I'm aware of that movie. Yeah, no, we talked about it. It's it's a um, it was very low budget film. Hmm. Someone interesting directed it too. I can check that out. Yeah. Uh, she said she also likes Tango and Cash. Yeah, Tango and Cash. And Carol Blackwell says Cliffhanger? <laughs> I'm not saying I love it, <laughs> but I remember liking it. I haven't seen it's it. It's no in over years. the top. It, it, well, or Rhinestone. Thankfully, it's not <laughs> either of those films. Remember Rhinestone, he was dancing. He was like doing some type of cowboy shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't break my heart. Break your heart. <laughs> All right. Would you recommend that people see Beverly Hills Cop? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like I do oftentimes with these iconic movies, mm-hmm. 
I would recommend going and watching it if you haven't seen it in a long time, which I suspect you haven't. <laughs> I suspect a lot of people. Right. I suspect it. you haven't seen Beverly Hills Cop in a long time or you've seen bits from it mm-hmm. or you've seen it on television where it's been edited oh, and there man. are commercials and stuff. But I would. Absolutely. Because, again, I think it holds up. And yourself? I'd recommend it. I would definitely recommend it. Um, you know, forgive the music. <laughs> That's part of the experience. It is. Uh, I would say forgive the music. But other than that, I would definitely recommend that people see Beverly Hills Cop. All right. If you'll enjoy it. All right. Okay. All right. Well, that does it for our review of Beverly Hills Cop. Before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week here on the Michelle Mission for episode 298. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. We're moving. Is it 298 already, Vincent? Already. Wow. I can't believe it. Tom right. flies when you're having fun. Is that what you call this? <laughs> No, it's indeed fun. Um, I invite you all, ladies and gentlemen, to um, if you are liking our show and you want to, you know, uh, tell us about how much you are liking the, the show or ask us a question that some people do, you can do it more than one way. You can send us an email. You can email us at mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Or feel free to leave us a voicemail at the Show voicemail. <laughs> 215-867-9666. Tell Vincent and Len what is on your mind. You know, you keep laughing at that. But I do. You, you love it now. I do, but it, it does tickle me. <laughs> Take me out with that. I'm like, he loves it, but he, he wants to laugh at it. He wants to clown it. You know. Oh God, God bless him. Anyway, so yeah, feel free to leave us leave us a voicemail and tell us what's on your mind, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow the Me Show Mission on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Me Show Mission. Subscribe on YouTube and Twitch at Me Show Mission. Give us five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That's a really cool way that you can help people find the show because that helps us grow in the algorithms of favorite movie podcasts and uh, gets us out there. We appreciate it very much. The Michelle Mission, as always, is a proud member of the Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. All right. Next week on the Michelle Mission is episode 298. All right. My selection. Yes, it is. This is another film that I have not seen since it came out. Okay. When I tell you what this film is, you will realize why I have not watched it since it came out because it is what some would say is a very hard watch. Okay. And that this is a film. From 2009, Vincent. Okay. Uh, It's a film that is an Academy Award-winning film. Okay. As the co-star Monique won the Best Supporting Actor. Oh, yeah. In this film. Oh, yeah. Uh, It was also nominated for Best Director. Mm -hmm. As well as for Best Actress. Yeah. uh, Lead Actress. As well as for Best Picture. And the film... It's precious. Mm. 2009, starring Lee Daniels. Mm-hmm. 
and Gabourey Sidibe. Mm-hmm. That will be our selection for next week's stop on the Michelle Mission. Okay. I've not seen this film since the one time I saw it either. So Yeah. So tough film. Very tough, tough film. film. Oh boy. It's a yeah. Yeah, it's a tough movie. But we'll get through it together. Yes, we will. Here on the mission. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again.